you bow your heads in prayer? Father, it is good to gather in your house. It's good to see one another. Lord, we ask that today you would speak to our hearts. And not only would we meet with each other here, but that we would meet with you. And walk away forgiven, redeemed, covered. In your name we pray. Amen. It's kind of sad. Usually when dad came home, his son came running out to greet him, shouting for his daddy, jumping into his arms. He looked forward to it every day. This day, when he came home, nobody came. It was dead quiet. Nobody greeted him. His son had done something wrong. And when he heard that dad's truck pulled into the driveway, he was sure he was in trouble. So instead of greeting his dad, he hid in his bedroom. I'm a dad. I'm a grandpa. No dad or grandpa likes that. That's a scene that gets played out in the third chapter of Genesis, isn't it? I mean, up until this point in, in the story that we've been looking at, things have been wonderful. Adam and Eve had the perfect relationship with each other. They had the perfect relationship with God. They knew him face to face. Our first parents did. Genesis chapter 2, the last verse says they were both naked and they were not ashamed. Can you imagine a world where there's nothing to be ashamed of? Nothing to hide. Nothing to be embarrassed about. I can't. That was their world. And then comes the third chapter of Genesis. The fall into sin. And by verse 8, everything has changed. It says, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Saddest moment in the saddest chapter in the story of God. You see, they've made a choice. Instead of listening to God, they listen to a snake. Listen to his lying promise. You'll be like God, he said. 
You don't need him anymore. You can do his job better anyway. Now, God had warned them. God had told them, you can have anything, just not this tree. And we talked about it last week. Why? Because that was the boundary. You can't, you weren't made to handle my job. You can't handle it. You do that, you're going to mess up. But they chose, instead of believing, trusting in him, to trust themselves. They chose not to live by faith, but to live by sight. That's what this next passage makes real clear, doesn't it? When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. He ate. And everything changed. For the first time in all of history, we had something to hide. They had something to be ashamed of. And it gets worse. Look look what happens. Next verse. The Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, Well, the woman you gave me to, gave to be with me, she gave me fruit of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. Did you notice, instead of answering God's questions, they made excuses. They pointed fingers. They cast blame, not me, Lord, but that woman whom, by the way, you gave me. As he pointed the finger at both Eve and at God. And Eve, not me, Lord, the snake without saying it, by the way, which you made. Blaming. Finger-pointing. Right? Didn't do any good. They were already separated from God. You know, all this did was push them further apart. You can imagine the argument they had with each other when God was gone. Right? Right? Because he threw Eve under. They didn't have a bus back then, but you know what I mean. Blaming has been one of our go-to fig leaves ever since. You and I do it. Well, you'd understand why I'm so angry if you knew the kind of day I had at work. Oh, it's not my fault, it's work. Well, I'm only human. As if that excuses sin. Well, you should see how the kids behaved. Their fault. Have you um, ever known anybody for whom it's never their fault? For whom it's always someone else to blame? Doesn't do any good, folks. 
not, you may deceive some people, you're not deceiving God. Remember, I've told you before about the time when I used up my sister's film, then blamed it on my deaf sister. Well, my sister Kathy wasn't fooled at all, and all my lying did was make her angrier. Which is kind of what we're trying to avoid when we lie and blame anyway, isn't it? We blame because we're afraid that telling the truth will just make matters worse, that people won't like us, people will reject us. If they know the truth, they won't have anything to do with us. People will get mad, we'll get punished, you name it. But it's all a lie. God comes walking in the garden and he says, where are you? He knows where they are. Who told you you were naked? He already knows who told them. Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you not to eat? He knows that they did. So why ask? Because he knows that they need to say it. He knows that the only way that any relationship gets repaired, our relationship with each other, our relationship with him, is by admitting the truth. By confessing sin. He knows that their only hope is to come out of hiding, to take off the fig leaf and say the truth. Why? Because he wants them to know that he has already forgiven them, even before they ask. See, our God... He's like the father in the parable that Jesus told. You know the parable of the prodigal son. Remember, the, the son kind of comes to his senses. He's on his way home. He's got his speech of, of confession rehearsed. And while he's still a long way off, Jesus tells us that the father saw him and the father runs out to greet him. And before the boy can even speak a word, the father has thrown his garment around his shoulders has put his ring on his fingers and sandals on his feet he's ordered the fatted calf killed invited his neighbors over for a party oh son by the way what did you want to say he forgave his son before his son ever asked that's our God look at, look at this verse from Ezekiel, I, as I live, declares the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his ways and live. God's chief desire is to forgive. And he has made it crystal clear, hadn't he? Right? By doing what, what Kelly said today, by laying out the welcome mat for us. 
He made it crystal clear in a manger in Bethlehem where Mary gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and laid him in a manger, the Son of God. Made it clear as Jesus went around doing good, healing all who are under the power of the devil. Made it clear what he wants when he sent his son to the cross, when Jesus rose again the third day. Made clear beyond all doubt that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's how far God is willing to go for you and me. So far that he's willing to let his innocent son take the blame for our sin. Solves us so much that he's willing to punish his guiltless son, Jesus, in our place. Jesus, the Bible says, was delivered over to death for our sins and raised to life for our justification so God could look at you and me, guilty as we are, and say, I declare you not guilty. Folks, there is nothing to be gained by blaming. But there is everything to be gained through confession. After all, when we say we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves. And we're calling God a liar. I don't think that's going to get us anywhere, is it? So what does God do? He comes He comes through his word. He comes through other people. Remember, he came to King David through the prophet Nathan. Maybe he comes to you through a friend, a neighbor, somebody who cares so much, somebody in your family, a pastor, a DCE, whoever, a teacher. And he gives to you and me the same opportunity he gave to Adam and Eve. He comes in a worship service. He comes daily saying, where are you? What have you done? Even though he already knows. Because he knows we need to say it. Invites us to take off our fig leaves. Confess our sins. And he promises. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and he is just and he will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's why we began our worship today by confessing our sins, by standing here before God, taking off the fig leaf and saying, I, a poor, miserable sinner, I have sinned by my fault. By my own fault, by my own most grievous fault. No excuses, Lord. Forgive me. You know, one of the vows that a pastor has to take is that he will not divulge the sins that are confessed to him. 
so that if you come to me or another pastor and you unburden yourself, I'm going to walk around my desk and I'm going to put my hands on your head or socially distance them above your head. And I'm going to say to you that in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, all your sins are forgiven, even this one. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. And then, I'm never going to talk about it again to you or anyone, unless you want to talk about it. It's gone. You know, that's why God puts us in each other's lives. Paul said it, right? He said, for this reason, I was shown mercy that through me, the worst of sinners, God might display his unlimited patience as an example towards others who believe. We are a living testimony to each other that, hey, if God can forgive Braun, if God can forgive Matt, if God can forgive Alan, he can forgive me. Even Richard. See, chapter 3 is a pivotal moment in the story of God. All, I guess to say tragedy. All tragedy entered the story at that moment. But God, already there, Changed the story. Said to the serpent, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. Promised a Savior, a story that would continue when God called Abraham, and then Moses, and then David, and Isaiah, and John the Baptist, until one day in the fullness of time, God sent forth his Son to redeem those who are under the law. That's you and me so that you and I could live with this confidence that this is the essence of the story, that there is now no condemnation for you who are in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus unto life that is everlasting. Amen.